It's no secret that college football is a land of giants. Blue Bloods have rolled the sport for as long as many fans can remember. Programs that are good because they've always been good, building decades upon decades of tradition and becoming implacable monstrosities, eating up wins and titles like it's nothing, and always staying hungry for more. The Alabamas, Ohio States, USC's, and Oklahoma's of the world have been winning titles since Civil War veterans were alive and show no signs of stopping anytime soon. Despite all of that, this used to be a tumultuous sport. In the post-World War II era, new champions emerged constantly as schools across the country integrated at different times and settled into many of the regional rivalries we know now. The TV money boom of the 1980s and early 90s and changing population patterns of post-industrial America led to the rise of the Big Three in Florida. But college football has grown stagnant and familiar. It has been 24 consecutive seasons since a first-time champion won a national title in college football when Steve Spurrier's Florida Gators rode Danny Werfel and Fred Taylor to a national championship. Contrasted to the 27 years prior to that, when nine new programs won a national title for the first time, one every three years, this recent period of the sport is becoming somewhat alien. The longest stretch in the last 120 years of college football before this run without a new first-time champion was 10 years. We are now on the precipice of a run two and a half times longer than that. So what does this all mean? Can college football ever again return to a place where new programs are capable of winning national titles? Are we locked into a future where we are doomed to just see schools like Ohio State, Alabama, and LSU pass the baton back and forth forever? Those three schools, along with Florida and Clemson, have won 15 of the last 19 national titles, including seven straight. Is anyone else capable of breaking through? I'm Ryan Donnelly. I'm Patrick Mayhorn. I'm Anderson Cooper. I'm Leslie Stahl. I'm Scott Pelley. All those questions and more tonight on Flipping the Field 60 Minutes. Hey, welcome to Flipping the Field, the college football podcast about all of college football and also about 60 Minutes. As you just heard, I'm Patrick Mayhorn. My co-host is Ryan Donnelly. Um, Ryan, do you want to get into this? Yeah, let's do it, man. Um, As you guys just heard in our intro, we're talking about the stagnation of power at the top of college football. Um, It's kind of always been a sport dominated by major powers, but the concentration of talent and success has reached a level we've never really seen before. Um, It's been a quarter century since a new national champion has made it to the apex of the sport, And we kind of have two important questions we want to ask, right? Um, The first is obvious. uh, Why? Uh, It's it's impossible to answer kind of for certain anyway, but if there is one thing we love on this podcast, it is wild speculation. Uh, Patrick, do you have any theories on why? So I have, this is something that I have bumped up against before. Um, It's sort of, you know, in the way that I consume college football, I watch it kind of from the bottom up, at least at the the FBS level. The FCS is a little bit too sicko even for me, but um, I tried. (laughs) But um, it gets, you know, when you see the same teams winning the championship every year as someone who likes the smaller teams, it's, you know, that's something that you kind of want to think about. And like, why does this keep happening? Well, I can't, you know, somebody new win. And, and, and the thing that I keep settling on, and this is also painted by my perspective in the way that I follow the sport, um, is that I think, especially in the last 20 years or so, um, one of the sport's biggest issues is that the teams at the top are the ones innovating. Um, mm-hmm. It's not really how it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be, you know, innovation, new developments in football are supposed to happen at the bottom. Um, and then they work their way up to the Alabamas and the Ohio States of the world. Um, 
and that has not been really the case. That's still, you know, there are still weird things happening at places like Coastal Carolina and things like that, but... Um, they're more scheme-based than program-building-based, yes, right? Scheme-based, yes. And But now you see things like Alabama running 80% RPO, things like that, right? Like, that's not how this is supposed to work. The RPO, the innovation cycle on the RPO specifically is it was completely fucked it was because lane kiffin was one of the guys at the front of it and everybody knows who lane kiffin is mm-hmm. so all of the top you know teams saw that and adopted it very quickly after it became popular and there was <laughs> there was never a, a time period where smaller schools were dominating and beating bigger schools with this thing that the bigger schools didn't recognize it just went straight to the big schools right you don't have a how mummy or a, yeah. a mike leach kind of working their way through the ranks kind yeah. of you know uh, they're they're yeah the how money the how mummy or mike leach are out there for stuff like this for a year and then alabama absorbs them or ohio state absorbs them right, right. like there's no all these schools, these schools at the top have so much money and so many people paying attention to everything that's happening, where if there's anything new or anything unique going on at any corner of college football, think like Mike Yersich, right? Mm-hmm. Who was at Shippenburg. <laughs> and Mike Gundy brings him in at Oklahoma State. 30 years ago, the head coach at Oklahoma State doesn't know where Shippenburg is. Right. Right? Like, that's the kind of thing where I believe Gundy made that hire because he just looked for who the best offense was at the D2 or D3 level, right? Mm-hmm. And then he just hired their guy. Um, you couldn't do that. <laughs> that's not that's not a way that football used to work. And now you can find, you know, tape on anybody. You can find any offense. You can find any innovation. You can fold it into your own thing. And that's not how it was designed, I don't think. Right, and, and I think you see the exact same thing too, right, where a guy like Joe Moorhead uh, gets picked up as Penn yes. State's offensive yep. coordinator from the Fordham job, I believe. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, that sounds right. Right, and I mean, and he's a he's a Power 5 head coach on an SEC program within three years of, of being yeah. at the FCS level, the D2 level. Like yeah, Ryan Day is the head coach at Ohio State. He right. was a New Hampshire guy, and then he was under Chip Kelly, who, you know, another guy who... who uh, like Mike Gundy just found this stuff and brought it into his big time systems, right? Like these schools are more willing to hire guys like this now. Gus Malzahn, another great example too. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, we see guys kind of accelerate their careers at a fast rate. It seems like he said, accelerate these ideas for scheme, um, which, which is one thing, but I think uh, like we touched on, it's not just a scheme question, right? It, it's a question of program building. Yeah. Um, there are just a lot fewer it, 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 programs don't recruit regionally anymore. Everyone yeah. has to recruit nationally. You don't have these nearly as many hidden gems that find their way to lower levels. They still happen, of course. Some yeah. guys like a, a Khalil Mack ends up at Buffalo, or you know, um, or Jarrett Patterson ends up at Buffalo, right? Or <laughs> Kevin Marks at Buffalo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Kyle Van Trees ends up at Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, we, we made it uh, four minutes without talking about uh, Lance Lee. New record. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. I, I mean that that's a question too. And the I mean when this talent concentrates, we talked on the conference expansion episode about the money question, right? Yeah. Just exactly the scale of money we're talking about. The American, which is. I, well, maybe last year it wasn't. Nine the last ten years has been the best. It was probably still okay. the best last year. Fair yeah. enough. It is the best G5 conference in the country. Yeah. Um, their teams don't even crack $10 million a year in TV revenue rates. Yeah. The SEC and Big Ten are about to jump over 60 to $70 million per year per team. Yeah. Uh, that's an entire division in the AC, what they get for their money, right? Yes. Um, when you have that much of an extra influx of cash... Sure, some of it goes to non-revenue sports. It goes to the athletic department as a whole. It goes to facilities upgrades. But you're just hiring 
bigger and better recruiting staffs. You're hiring armies of, of offensive and defensive analysts to look at tape and, and make sure you don't have these schematics advantages, make sure you don't get got nearly as often. Um, they just have all this extra money to pour into building their program, into innovating, and, and to making sure they are never caught unprepared the way teams used to be, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I don't really know how you change that. I mean, like you, obviously you cannot... Um, you can't for, but I mean, and that's here's another thing though. I, I do believe in that strongly, but it also doesn't answer the question of why new Power Five teams aren't winning, right? So I, I can talk about this a little bit because okay. I think that I have a theory that that ties into that as well. Um, it's it's in the same vein, and it doesn't. It's not specific to Power Five, but I do think it explains why the best teams are so good now. This right? is ideology. Yes, the, yeah, this, this, <laughs> yeah, this is ideology. <laughs> Um, all my Zizek heads out there. Yes, yeah, all the, all the Zizek heads who are listening to this podcast. <laughs> there are some, I'm sure. Um, but uh, so I, I'm gonna. This is a statement that will not make a lot of sense when I first say it, but I will elaborate. Quarterbacks were never meant to be this good. <laughs> like football was not. You weren't when it was created. You weren't supposed to be able to move the ball down the field this quickly and this efficiently. It's not how it was made it was it ain't right it was supposed to be a running game right it was supposed to be physical running there was a reason that the option was the only thing that anyone did for like a hundred years yeah what's the old woody hayes quote Uh, only three things can happen on a forward pass and two of them are bad that's how it was designed that's like the the uh the spread revolution mike leach how mummy um you know the the newer guys who are doing that now steve sarkeesian ryan day guys like that right they are doing something with football that it was not built to do. You were not supposed to be this good at throwing the ball down the field because it's way, way harder to defend. It's way harder to defend. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, and this is this is the, the point that ties it together and that connects it to the P5 specifically, when you can pass really well, as a just in general, passing game shows talent differences more than the running game does. It shows speed differences. It shows athleticism differences. It shows talent differences at quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. Offensive line, all this stuff. Or it, even if you do have equivalent athletes, they're smaller. They're yeah, not quite as big, right? Their yeah. size differences. Yeah. Yeah, and so you, you know, you might have a really fast cornerback if you're, I don't know, Kansas State, mm-hmm. right? But he's also five ten mm-hmm. because the six one cornerback that runs the same forty time is at Oklahoma or Texas or you know to to move conferences Clemson right? It, right it's that's where those guys are going and so even if you if you have some sort of advantage in some way shape or form it's going to be you know as a smaller school it's going to be minimized by the fact that the other team can probably throw the ball really well and to illustrate your point perfectly here uh Isaiah Simmons of Clemson yeah. is from Kansas yeah right yeah they yeah. went and got a yeah De- Deshaun McCullough who's committed to Ohio State kind of a similar build of yeah, guy they're both six four six five yeah. safeties with freak athleticism and neither of them are going to a Kansas school right or yeah. a Missouri school they're yeah. not even going to an Iowa they're, yeah. they're they're leaving the region entirely you know yeah. they're going yeah. to Ohio. so it's, it's you know, Deshaun I, McCullough's dad works at Indiana and he's going to go yeah. to Ohio State anyway because it's that much better of a chance to get into the pros yeah and I think that that's it's sort of those two things combined together. It's the fact that those programs can recruit those kind of guys now, and that they can find them so easily. And it's it's everybody knows who the good recruits are, right? There you you cannot you like it's very hard to find someone that no one knows about. And if you found him, there's probably a reason that that no one knows about him, right? Um, and so when you pair that with the fact that all of these good teams can pass the ball. 
um, it makes those talent discrepancies so much more significant because not everybody has six foot four receivers that can run a four four. Not everybody has a quarterback that can throw the ball sixty yards down the field on a dime. Um, and so in the running game, you can sort of cover those differences, right? Like the difference between a really good running back and a really good offensive line and an okay running back and an okay offensive line are not anywhere near as significant as the differences between an elite passing game and an okay one. It's a half yard or a yard per carry. Yeah, it's not 40 yards per pass kind of differences, right? Like if you have a bad quarterback, then your whole offense is going to be stagnant. It's not going to work, right? Like it's just, unless you have designed your offense specifically around only being able to run, you you can't win like that. You can't win with a bad quarterback. You can win with a bad running back. Ohio State was in the national championship last year with Master Teague as its running back for much of the season. It's possible. But you can't do that if you don't have a good quarterback. And I think that that's sort of the thing with the passing games being so good now is that the ones that are that are good at those big schools that have the talent, it's impossible to make up for that kind of talent discrepancy mm-hmm. in that kind of system as a smaller school. You can't do it. I guess the question is then, like, one, is there a way to fix this in terms of rules? Uh, but even more importantly, two, does anyone want to? Does anyone, like, is there any desire whatsoever to, like, eliminate the RPO difference between uh, the college and pro game? Or in the pro game, linemen cannot go, uh, offensive linemen cannot go more than one yard downfield while blocking. Yeah. At the college level, it's three yards, which means RPOs are, un- are indef- undefendable. You cannot yeah. cover them. Yeah. Uh, because you, you can block it like a run game, mash somebody on the field. Yeah. And, and when the, the actual rule is three yards, that becomes five yards, right? Yeah. So, but does anyone have the will or desire to change that at all? Does anyone want to see less points scored? And I think the answer is no. I mean, yeah. I think in the playoff era, you know, is once it gets to eight teams and every conference is guaranteed a cut, no one's going to care that it's just the same yeah. few teams. You know what I mean? I think it's pretty well, much... Well, the, the teams that aren't in will care, but those aren't the ones that make the rules. Right. Right? Like, Kansas State doesn't make the rules. The mm-hmm. AAC doesn't make the rules. We have... I mean, if the AAC made the rules, Cincinnati would have been in the playoff. And also, even for them, they're getting more cash. Even yeah. like like, yeah. it, you know, even if maybe you can't win at football... Uh, your wrestling team is a lot better funded now. You know, your yeah. tennis team is getting more money. Your Olympic swimming team, your you know, whatever it may be. Yeah. Those teams have more cash on hand because you just tripled the amount of team revenue you got in the last decade, like, yeah. if not more. And th- that ties in as well with the fact that offense brings TV viewers. It just does, right? Mm-hmm. Good offense draws more viewers than good defense does. Like, Definitely. The sport has exploded in the last 20 years because offenses are better because people, you know, it's like with the NFL, people are more engaged with the NFL right now than they were in the early 2010s because it sucked in the early 2010s. It was just defense, right? Right. I mean, my God, Nick Saban, arguably the greatest defensive mastermind in the history of college football, or at least modern college football, has talked about the fact that elite defense is dead. It no longer is important. Yeah, you know, it's a turnover-based game. Your goal, your only goal on defense is to get the ball back in your offense's hands. It's, it's not necessarily to get a stop. It, it is to get the get the get the ball back faster. Whether that means giving up explosive plays, that means getting a turnover. Yeah. That's okay because you're Alabama and you're going to score more points than uh, Georgia will, or that you know Florida will, or that uh, I mean, my God, like Vanderbilt will. You yeah. know, your points per it's it's a it's. Are you an NBA fan, Patrick? Vaguely. Okay. Um, so you, like everyone else on the internet, heard people complain about James Harden as a scorer, right? Yeah. Uh, and, I, have, and, I have done it myself. Sure, yeah. It's not really fun to watch, but the entire premise behind James Harden's game is that he primarily shoots 
threes and layups, right? That is the goal. You're getting shots yeah. of the rim and yeah. you're getting three pointers. He's taking the most valuable shots. Yes. And because of that, the points per possession expected when the ball is in his hands or when the ball is in Kevin Durant's hands or LeBron James' hands is drastically higher, right? Yeah. Alabama and Ohio State and Clemson and all these schools have learned, everyone that's good except Georgia basically has learned <laughs> that uh, <laughs> that your team is going to score more more points per possession when they're more talented than the team they're playing against. So you want the game to have more possessions. Yeah. It's that simple. So you want to speed it up. You want to throw the ball. You want to do all these things, get the clock moving, to make sure you get more 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 possessions in your hands, right? Yeah, I have a regressive take on on this sort of thing that Go I think off. is that I think is anti what you usually would get from you know you podcasters. <laughs> um, <laughs> just generally speaking, people who you know talk about college football on the internet sure. or talk about sports on the internet. MOPs, men of podcasting. That's yes. right. Um, I think that. As a and this is going to become, I think, a more popular take as sports become more min maxed, right? Like, because mm-hmm. that's what they're doing. They're min maxing sports, right? It's it's this is you're seeing it in everything. You're seeing it with James Harden. Baseball teams are doing it. Um, Defensive shifts, right? Yeah, yeah. Or you know, only hitting for home runs. Yeah, <laughs> the universal DH. It's, yeah. it's called three outcome baseball. Is the concept. Yeah, yeah. Three outcome baseball stuff like that, right? All of that goes back to the advanced analytics era, which we are in, right? We are mm-hmm. living in the stats era. And I like to look at the stats. I think they're fun. I think that the SP plus is fun. It's an easy way to quantify teams. I think that that's not even really advanced stats, right? There are far more advanced stats that these teams have, tracking data, things like that. Yeah, they track like uh, player speed, yeah. gravity, things like that. The yeah. way like when Devonta Smith runs a crossing route over the deep middle, uh, how does that make a safety move, and how does it yeah. open things up for Jalen Waddle? Yeah, right? but, Questions like that. Yeah, but all of these stats that they have used to reverse engineer these perfect offenses, right? Um, I think that, to tie it back into the advanced stats, I think that advanced stats, and this is the take, are a a vastly negative thing for sports. I They're think that soulless. They, yeah, I think that they are extremely dangerous for the concept of sports because they have, I mean, I think they've ruined baseball. Right, like I, I think that they have objectively made it less fun to watch baseball. Um, it already wasn't fun, but it's it's especially not fun now. I think like I don't care about the NBA right now because it is every team's running the same thing, and they're all just shooting threes and layups. And the, but the question is, how do you how do you put this back in the jar? I don't right? think you do. Yeah, that's that's why I think it's it's such an issue. And like I was saying, I think the stats are fun. I get it. I understand why they became so popular. They're incredibly valuable. Obviously. Yeah, like it's not. Sports are not a game at this level, right? They are yeah. a business. Yeah, it's a profession, and, and I think that these teams have, you know, I can't blame them. I would do it too. There's yeah. a reason that they do there it. There are it's, billions and yeah. billions of dollars in the line. Yeah, you're making money. <laughs> that's 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 why you do this. But I think that the Moneyball era, I think that that way of thinking about sports is a cancer. I think that it is, you are, you are becoming better, you are you know, becoming more efficient, you are doing things the objectively correct way, and it sucks to watch, right? Like RPO offenses, it's a brilliant innovation. It's a it's an absolutely brilliant way to bend the rules. It's a it it is a a modern miracle of football development and and play design. It sucks to watch. Mm-hmm. I write a scheme you know newsletter three times a week, and I've been writing G five previews. Ninety percent of these teams run the exact same offense, and it's always boring. Every single one of them is boring. Yeah. Like, I don't... It's They just run the same fucking plays. It's the RPO glance throw. And it works, but it's boring. I don't want to watch that. 
you know, and it's it's just uh, I I think that that's the biggest issue, and there's no fix for it because it it's the most efficient thing. It literally is. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's that's the scary part is I just don't see any way like even when like we talked about that every team runs this, then the only question is how do you equate the talent balance, and yeah. you cannot right you can't. if you're recruiting. Uh, there's no way to do it. The only way to do it is a pro draft system, which even that does not equate the balance that yeah. because right, yeah. you have free agency and, and that leads to teams accumulating talent. In certain yeah, cities and you and, can't take that away. Right, of course not. And yeah. We don't want to either. I mean, it's just... Um, I mean, it, it, I think the natural conclusion is that the sport will eventually splinter, right? Yeah. And it will like splinter further, I should say, and you'll have a formalization of the Power 5, the top level, and then the G5 at a separate level. And the, yeah. the Power 5, like we talked about, probably become a Power 4. The Power 4 and every team in it will be running the exact same offense and, yeah. like, some variation of the Matt Campbell, you know, or Marcus Freeman And the Freeman only defense. exciting part are just weird players you don't usually see. Yeah. Guys who are just, like, oversized for a certain yeah. position. Yeah, or guys who are, look different when they're on the field, like, um, you know, like Jalen Waddell. Right, right. right. Or, like, what Tyree Kill does in the NFL yeah. now, just a little bit, you know, different from what, what you used to see there. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I mean, I don't really see any path to avoid that. It just seems that with the, with the money difference, with everything at stake, like either it stays the exact same, or it splinters and it's still mostly the same, just a little bit better. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, we're gonna talk about it here in a little bit, but like, <clears throat> the only way to get these talent differences equated is basically just like hiring a Hall of Fame coach, and yeah. you know, good luck finding one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's it's just uh, I don't know, man. It, it's it, it, like like we've said, I don't really know what the solution is to this problem because the solution is that these teams, get, you know, play to have fun rather than play to make money. Yeah, and you can't do that. That's not gonna happen. Yeah, it's never going <laughs> back. Right? The the way that you fix that is that you permanently and drastically change the way that American society is shaped. <laughs> and okay, all right, You're, you got me on board with that. And that's not gonna happen. Um, and so I don't know. I mean, like that's. <laughs> that's what it is is that you make it so that people don't want to make money I'm just saying this live on the air now as a thought that I'm just going to say out loud to you but we should eventually do a podcast uh, on this same exact topic looking into like whether or not like uh, in, like in Soviet Russia if like the hockey teams were like there was always certain dominant powers if the mm-hmm. league is relatively even or what hmm. or how that worked that would be I'd be curious to yeah. know if like if you take out the profit motive uh, what happens uh, to, to sports? Yeah, that, Man, that would be. I, I can actually write a book about this. Yeah, <laughs> that would be that would be very intriguing. Okay. Of like, because there is obviously still the appeal of you win the championship. Like right, that's that's right. still a that, that was a thing that existed in in mm-hmm. you know Soviet Russia. Yeah. Is that you want to win? Things. If you're listening to this, do not copy that idea. No. We will sue you. Yeah. Um, I have lawyers on retainer. Yeah. Uh, several. Bill Landis, we can see you going to the keyboard, <laughs> motherfucker. Don't do it. <laughs> you better tape up that webcam next time, too. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So um, to get out of the depressing part of the podcast, I mean, the more fun parts where we speculate. Yeah, anyway, um, welcome to this college football podcast. College football sucks and is broken. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, so I guess the question is, we know as a macro trend, it's not going to reverse, right? Yeah. Um, but we can go a little more depth than this. Will this ever end? Will any new program, even just as a one-time thing, will there be a new first-time national title winner again? Uh, in order to answer that, I would like to kind of go into what the conditions look like for the most recent new title winners, right? So since the start of the 1980s, eight new programs have won national titles. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go through them uh, in chronological order, starting with 1981. Um, Clemson, right? Clemson, uh, you know, that little old school, little old Clemson down there. Yeah, little old Clemson. 
uh, won their first national title in 1981-82, right? They had so what I'm looking at here is I, I want to look at the school's performance in like the 25 years previous to their title and kind of the conditions in the season or seasons around their title win. Okay, yeah. So in their 25 years prior to winning that title, they had seven conference championships and they had six ranked finishes. Right. So this was a team that was consistently good. They were yeah. uh, the fifth winningest team in the 1980s as a whole. Um, that title team was led by Hall of Fame head coach and all-ACC quarterback Homer Jordan. Uh, and they also had several first-team All-Americans in the roster and a very funky 5-2 defense, which we really appreciate here. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's the first one. So Hall of Fame coach, uh, all-conference quarterback, a lot of first-round picks, yep. right? Let's yep. go on to Penn State. So Penn State was an independent, and they could not win conference championships. They didn't join the uh, the Big Ten until much later. Yeah. Um, but they won the title in 1982, uh, and had finished ranked 18 times in the previous 25 years before that. This team was really good under Joe Pa for a very long time before they actually broke through to win a title. Yeah. Um, they were led by Davey O'Brien winner and Heisman finalist quarterback Todd Blackledge and uh, previously mentioned disgraced Hall of Fame coach Joe Paterno. I'm starting to see a trend here. Mm-hmm. This is interesting. Maybe you might notice this going forward. <laughs> uh, we're moving on to Miami, which was an independent school that could not win conference championships but finished ranked in six of their previous 25 seasons. Um, they first won their title in 1983, uh, and the team was led by future Heisman finalist Bernie Kosar mm. and Hall of Fame coach Howard Schellenberger. Mm. Now we move on to the next year, which is BYU, a first-time title winner in 1984. <laughs> I wonder what BYU was good at. They had 10 conference championships and five ranked finishes in the 25 years prior to the title. The team was led by Heisman finalist quarterback <laughs> Robbie Bosco and Hall of Fame coach Lavelle Edwards. They also had the benefit of playing a ridiculously easy schedule, by the way. Yeah. Uh, they did not have a single ranked opponent the entire season and only played two teams with winning records. Uh, they played uh, the first week of the season. They played a number three pit team that was, com- was supposed to be highly regarded coming into the season and went six and six. Uh, allegedly, one of the Golden Panther cocaine seasons up there in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Allegedly. 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 Parody. Yeah. Um, we're going to skip forward a few years to 1990. When Colorado, uh, in air quotes here, won a title, uh, I want to make a point here. Colorado did not win this title. I I am legally obligated to include them on this list, but uh, (laughs) they were not a national title team. Regardless, they won two conference championships, and they had nine ranked finishes in the 25 years prior to their title. Uh, In that season, they lost to Illinois. They tied a Tennessee team that was missing its best player, and they actually did lose to Missouri, who was 4-7, yeah. and seven, in the infamous fifth down game, where if you're not familiar with that, they were handed a literal fifth down because the refs forgot what down it was, and they won the game because of that play. Yeah, this is not like a conspiracy theory, right? It really this happened. Is a you real can watch thing. the footage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, they gave them a fifth down, and they won because of it. Right. Like that's, yeah. Which is a game they would have lost. It means they would have been 10-2-1. and one. Yeah. They, is... didn't, they didn't win the title. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, the following year, also staying out west, we have Washington, right? So Washington won their first title in 1991-92. They had five conference championships and 10 ranked finishes in the 25 years prior. The team was led by Heisman finalist defensive tackle Steve Emptman. Very hard name to say. Mm-hmm. He was the first overall pick that year's draft, and he split the they split the title vote with Miami. Uh, it was in the years before we would have a consensus champion game. You know, uh, They were also led by Hall of Fame uh, coach Don James who, fun fact, is a uh, graduate of the uh, football factory Maslin, Washington, here in Ohio. Yep. Uh, go Tigers, uh, allegedly. Um, go Tiger. <laughs> we're going to move on to Florida State. 
they won, you know, they won their first title in 1993. Yep. Uh, they were an independent for all but one year of the previous 25, uh, but they had 15 ranked finishes in the previous 25 years. Uh, and they're a little bit different, too, here, because Florida State did not play football, I believe, until the 1950s. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, Florida's population boomed following that period. Um, they were led by Heisman-winning quarterback Charlie Ward and Hall of Fame coach Bobby Bowden. Yeah. Now we have our final team here. You're almost out of the woods. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Florida, who won their first title in 96. I, I wonder what their thing is. You'll be shocked to learn, Patrick. Uh, <laughs> they were led by Heisman-winning quarterback Danny Werfel uh, and Hall of Fame coach Steve Spurrier. Really fun team. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a really fun team. That was the uh, fun and gun. Yes. Uh, they had In the previous 25 years, they had four conference championships and 12 rank finishes, right? So the bare minimums through all these common eight title winners in the 80s and 90s, first-time title winners, they all had at least two conference championships and five ranked finishes in the previous 25 years. Generally, you should also have a Hall of Fame caliber coach and an elite quarterback who is all conference at minimum and probably an O'Brien or Heisman finalist or winner. Yeah. Okay. So our next project here, Patrick, you and I are going to go through the current teams that meet those conditions or have met them in recent, uh, the past 25 years, uh, yeah. who, who fit that trend line. And we're going to talk about whether or not we think they have any chance to ever break through and win a title. Yeah. Do you want to do this on a scale of like how likely we think it is? Or do you want to just straight up just like, do they have a shot? Yes or no? Uh, let's do a scale one to five. Okay. Uh, yeah. Five being the most likely yeah. and one being least likely. Yeah, that works. Cool. Uh, let's start out with Arizona State. Okay. Arizona State has two conference championships in 1996 and 2007 and six ranked finishes. They finished ranked in 96 and 97 as well as 2004, 2007, 2013, and 2014. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so they barely meet the criteria. Here's the pitch for Arizona State in my mind. Yeah. They are, I believe, the second largest or third largest enrollment of any school in the country, yep. which means they are soon to have a massive alumni base, assuming those kids graduate, which... Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and don't die immediately after leaving. Uh, yeah, assuming they're going to Arizona State for school and not the pool parties, mm-hmm. uh, which, no judgment either way. Uh, regardless, um, that the pitch for Arizona State is, if USC stays bad or gets worse or something... You are one of the schools most proximate to Southern California. Arizona itself is booming as a football state. Yeah. Uh, Phoenix has expanded massively in the last you know couple decades. Yeah. Uh, you're in Tempe. You're right there in Phoenix. Arizona basically. won't be underwater in 20 years. True. Arizona yeah. will not be underwater. Um, and the University of Arizona seems completely rudderless. Like, they're just not even trying to win football games. So, you yeah. don't really have much of an in-state rival. A lot of the Pac-12 South is not currently trying to win football games, too, yeah. which, which helps. Do you have any more thoughts about Arizona State or um I don't I think if you look at them right now, right, you you have we we mentioned that you need a Heisman quarter or Heisman ish quality quarterback and a Hall of Fame coach. I don't know if Herm Edwards is a Hall of Famer. I think he's an okay coach. <laughs> yeah. Um better and, than I thought. I'll give him that. Yeah, and uh and J, you know, Jaden Daniels is good, I think. I don't think he's amazing, but right. I, I think he's good. Um the issue here is obviously as for right now, Arizona State's not winning a championship in the next five years. I, Clearly, I think we can yeah. I think we can say that pretty pretty confidently. But I do think that this is an intriguing program. I think that this is a place that maybe a young up and coming coach will be intrigued by, you know? It's it's like you said, an an improving recruiting base. Um you would be in a state by yourself, essentially, because Arizona's not trying. Right, they suck. Yeah. Um, you'd be in an area pretty much by yourself, right? That's a, New Mexico doesn't have any teams that, Nevada are, doesn't have yeah, any that teams. are trying. Nevada doesn't have any teams that are trying. Um, California, obviously, USC and UCLA will would like to recruit in Arizona. But um, I think that a, a good, energetic, young coach 
could do a lot of damage here. I don't know who that guy is. Jed Fish. Jed Fish. Um, <laughs> I, someone, for whatever reason, the name that keeps bouncing around in my brain is Justin Fuente. It might be because we were talking. No. It might be. It might be because we were talking about this beforehand. We were talking about Justin Fuente okay. beforehand. And I'm not saying Justin Fuente specifically, but mm-hmm. someone with that sort of brand of football, right? You don't love Justin Fuente. You love the idea yeah, of Yeah, I love Fuente. the idea of Justin Fuente. Someone who is that sort of, you know, young, has a, has an intriguing, interesting offense that is good and that people want to play for and that mm-hmm. produces a lot of pros. Um, someone like that. I don't, I don't know exactly who that would be. Not like Justin Fuente specifically, not, yeah. not Mike Norvell, not, um, you know, uh, Josh Heupel, but someone in that brand of football. I think we should say this is a school that needs to be running kind of a Ryan Day, Lincoln Riley style offense yes. too. There's no uh, reason that Arizona State shouldn't have one of the best passing offenses in the country. Yeah, I mean, you, you need to. Arizona, California, and Texas are three of the best states in the country for receivers and quarterbacks. Yeah, and that's what you should be targeting heavily. Yeah, yeah. so I, I don't think that it's likely by any means, right? I don't think it's number one on this list, but I do think that this is like a three or four in terms of possibility. I would give them a two just because I think they are like five or ten years out, and this is more of a long-term projection on the quality of Arizona more than it is an immediate thing. So I would say a two for me. Yeah, two in the short term, three or four in the long term, I think, Um, at least in in my mind. So to you, is four means they are more likely than not to eventually win a title? Yes, so I'll go three then. Okay. I think it's about even. I, okay. I could see it uh, given the exact right circumstances. Okay. Um, and I don't think that those circumstances are impossible. There are a lot of interesting young head coaches, right? Like this is not – we're not talking about a uh, – you know, some of the schools later on this list, it's going to take some very specific things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't think that Arizona State is, is that. I do think that you can win here at a high level – and just be a very good coach rather than like the best coach of all time, which mm-hmm. is probably what it would be required at some of these other schools, yeah. essentially. And, and by the way, in some of these schools too here, uh, we're just going in alphabetical order, I should mention. Yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, for Baylor is our next one. Baylor has two conference championships. They won back-to-back in 13 and 14 in the Big 12, um, and they have five ranked finishes, which is 2011, then 2013 through 2015, and 2019. Yeah. Um, the pitch for Baylor, right, is that they if they catch the schools in their state at the right time, if Oklahoma ever gets bad, which seemingly will never happen for the last, you know, 60, 70 years, yeah. if Oklahoma ever falls off, Texas is not at peak powers. Basically, two out of those three of Texas, Oklahoma, Texas A&M have to be operating substandard. Yeah. You have a chance. I mean, it's a major school. It's in a pretty – Waco's – pretty close to several major areas. It's close to Austin, close to Dallas. And it's famous for having cool, normal people that live there. Uh, that's right. Uh, this is the official David Koresh fan podcast. Uh, anyway, I'm <laughs> just moving on from that. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> tough crowd, tough crowd. Um, <laughs> Baylor, uh, obviously, I mean, the state of Texas is flush with talent, right? Yeah. Any program in the state of Texas in a Power 5 conference, except for Texas Tech, has a chance to win a title. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, you are right there. You're right in the heart of it all. You can get pretty much every player you need to win a title within your own state. Yeah. yeah. Um, you are going to run air raid principles because everyone in your state runs air raid principles. So you fit the kind of offense we're talking about. Um, you just need to get lucky with who's around you is, is the only answer. Is, I mean, that's that's really all it comes down to. Is like, Clemson got lucky with Florida State and Miami being bad at the same time during their rise. Yeah. You need the same thing. Like Baylor needs to become Clemson, and they are two what religious institutions, and 
uh, southern areas that kind of you know that that is the pitch. Yeah, is they is they need to have that luck. Any, yeah. I mean, any thoughts for you here? I don't see it here. Okay. I just I I think that like you said, you're always going to be number three in your own state at the best, right? Like yeah. there's still TCU, there's Houston, which is which we'll see what TCU does after Gary Patterson. Yeah, um, better they will do better. <laughs> <laughs> After recent Gary Patterson, Fair it's, enough. it's not Fair hard enough. to, um, but I just, I don't know. I don't think that Baylor really, I guess we just saw it in basketball. So it is possible that Baylor can win at a high level. I just don't think it can do it in football. Yeah. Um, I don't think that the recruiting base in Waco specifically has any huge advantages, right? Like it's nice to be there, but it's not being in Houston. It's not yeah, being in Dallas. Um, I would be more inclined to say that like a, a Houston or an SMU can jump up to the P4 and then win a title than I would be to say that Baylor can do it. Um, I just don't think that this is a program that has a ton of juice like that. So I, I'm going to I'm, I'm gonna give this like a two or a one. I do think it's interesting to note, you mentioned with basketball there, uh, it has happened in both positive ways for basketball and in like very disgusting ways for the football program yeah. that Baylor has shown a commitment to winning Baylor at all won- costs. They will they, do anything to Baylor win. Baylor wants to win. Yeah. Badly. They have yeah. big money. They have no morals. Yeah. Uh, they're liberty on steroids, right? Yeah. And um, that is shitty to say. That sucks. That's a, p- a part in their favor. But it is a point in their favor. I would give them a three here. I think based just based on location. And that, that psychotic drive to win. Yes. I The only issue is that I think that the guy who could have won a national title at Baylor is gone. Yeah, I think that it was Art Riles. I think that that is the guy who could win at Baylor. He's the only Baylor's one of the only major schools that would touch him, right? Yeah, and it did, and it didn't work, and they didn't win a title. Well, out Patrick, of it. I'll tell you this: uh, I don't think there's going to be a shortage of coaches in Texas who like to run the air raid and are dirtbags willing to do anything to win. <laughs> no, uh, maybe not. But I, <laughs> there I will just, be another Art Riles, my take. Or you can just get Hugh Freeze. That's fair. Hugh Freeze. <laughs> Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze and Art Riles are two very different guys. I will say that as well. I don't think that Hugh Freeze is quite on Art Riles level of fair of enough. It's it's being a real sicko. It's chaotic neutral versus chaotic evil. Yeah, yeah, the exactly. difference. But yeah, uh, that's fair. Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. Um, I just I don't see it with Baylor. I don't I okay. don't really like this program. So you had them at a at a two, two, and I'm at three. Okay. Yeah. Um, we've not agreed yet. Uh, we'll see here. So, yeah. Okay, next we have Louisville. I, th- I think there's one on here that we will both agree on. <laughs> Likely. Um, there's Louisville here. Uh, Louisville has six conference championships. They won back-to-back 2000-2001. They won 2004, mm-hmm. 2006, and then back-to-back in 11 and 12. Now, what conference was this? This was all in the Big East, right? <laughs> Which is what we should take with a grain of yeah. salt. But then again... Uh, BYU won their conference titles in the WAC before they won yeah. their title. It's, it's yeah. a different era, but it's just still worth remembering. Big East, friend of the show. Yeah, friend of the show, Big East. <laughs> and it was <laughs> during the BCS. They were an AQ conference at the time. Uh, not quite a Power 5, but they were in the Power 6. So we yeah. got to give that to them. Yeah. Um, they have eight ranked finishes. I'm not going to throw them all, but they, they've finished ranked plenty of times. This was basically all the John L. Smith by Petrino era, and mostly yeah. Petrino. Yeah. Um, Two equal coaches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> look, Smith won some games there. You got to give him that. Uh, <laughs> but look, um, the thing with Louisville is that basically their whole shtick doesn't work anymore. Their whole thing was just yeah. like being the South Florida school, not in South Florida. And that is such a volatile. Like when you get Lamar Jackson, yeah, that works great. Yeah. yeah. But like then you usually just don't have Lamar yeah, Jackson. Yeah, then you have 20 defenders that are suspended each week. Yes. Right? Like, there are a lot of guys when you do that. When you try to pick off South Florida and you're not in South Florida, you're going to get the guys that Miami and Florida and Florida State didn't want for a very specific reason, mm-hmm. right? Like, this is this is a trap that a lot of recruiting guys fall into, and we're going to try and toe that line because 
being from South Florida does not mean that you're a bad guy. It does not mean that these kids are all... It's just... Of course not. If Miami and Florida State and Florida and the entire SEC passed on a Miami kid, there's something there, right? If like, Yeah, either you got very lucky in finding a hidden gem in your town of that Yeah, and you offered him quickly. Yeah. Or... Or you dropped a bag. Yeah. Or... Or and... And or... Uh, he has major character concerns yeah. that would lead you to have problems. And, and I will say this. There are also kids, this is true anywhere, not just Southern Florida, leaving... It was true for like a lot of the Cleveland-Glenville guys, right, when they yeah. get recruited by certain schools. Leaving your home state and going somewhere far away from kind of like, if you grew up in a, a bad situation, can be very good for your career. Yeah. So sometimes leaving Southern Florida and going to Louisville is good for these guys. Yeah. But... Uh, it's a volatile situation. It's it, just it, you're taking big swings. That means you can have big misses. Yeah, and there are kid. There are places like this everywhere, right? Like this is not a, exclusively a South Florida not, thing. Yeah. There's like Houston. Yeah, yeah there anywhere, Chicago, right? Like they're right. they're just Pittsburgh. Yeah. yeah, but the the other issue is you mentioned. You know, going away is is sometimes beneficial. Sometimes it isn't. Sometimes mm-hmm. you know it's just just you know can't you, shit, yeah, can't do shit. sometimes yeah. you just miss. But then. There is the, also the instance of they do have to go back at some point to visit their family, things yeah. like that, right? And that is tough. That's a tough situation. Marshawn yeah. Lattimore was just arrested in Cleveland, uh, the Saints cornerback, a couple weeks ago. Um, Marshawn Lattimore, by all accounts, is a good dude, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't have any issues with Marshawn Lattimore. but Friend of the show. Friend of the show. <laughs> yeah, person, close personal friend Marshawn Lattimore. But like that's just how it is sometimes, right? It's they They grew up around guys who didn't get to leave the city. And so when they go back and they hang out with those guys, that's sometimes an issue, you know, and it's just when you try to build your program around that, you're going to get yourself into trouble sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a death knell. You can do it. You can get guys like Lamar Jackson. It's just very hard to have a 60, you know, 60 people on your roster who are that kind of guy. Yeah. And, and I should say here, it's not just a South Florida thing too, right? It's a yeah. larger question, which is like. Louisville gets its ass kicked in the state of Kentucky, its home state, all the time. Yeah. It doesn't really do that well in Indiana. It doesn't really recruit Ohio at all. It doesn't really recruit Tennessee at all. It barely does anything in Virginia. Those are all of the states around it. Yeah. It almost only goes... Like, the problem is not just that it has to go to Florida for everybody. It's that it can't... I mean, like... The reasons why they have to go to Florida. They can't recruit too. the Midwest. Yeah. Nobody and, in the Midwest wants to go to Louisville. And you're a, a which it doesn't make any sense because it's not a bad school. It's yeah. in a good city. Like Louisville's a cool town. Um, yeah. I mean, I think maybe both Jeff Brom and Louisville fucked up by not getting together. <laughs> and maybe Jeff Brom, because Jeff Brom can recruit the Midwest very well. Yeah. And he is obviously failing at Purdue right now, but, uh, Maybe it'd be different if he was at his uh, alma mater. Yeah. And- the only other thing that I will say about this is you, if you're going to run, I, I hesitate to say that kind of program because I don't want to say that this is what Louisville has to be, right? But if you're going to take that approach to a recruiting, you have to have a coach who is willing to be a little bit of an ass kicker, right? Mm-hmm. Like Urban Meyer was capable of sustaining a program built on those guys because he was a little bit of an ass kicker. And it's intense competition, yes. too, right? Like, the idea is, like, what the Urban Meyer and Nick Saban programs did is they bring these guys in. Yeah. But every... Like, Florida kids have an edge. That's just a thing. They just the state. We yeah, know it. They do. And when you make those guys compete every single day, it's why, but, like, famously, also, those teams can get a little out of control, too. Like, Urban yeah. would have intense competition every single day in practice. 
And sometimes that led to guys just beating the shit out of each other, like yeah. like in a actual fist fight. Not talking about football, beating the shit out of each other, and beating the shit out of their coaches. Coaches, and, right? Like I mean, yeah. trying to control Percy Harvin is the easiest thing in the world. Uh, yeah. He's not a South Florida guy, but no. Me, but you have point. to you have to be a specific kind of coach to do that. Mm-hmm. And the issue is that those kind of coaches have trouble recruiting because <laughs> yeah. they're dickheads, right? Like I wouldn't want to play for Urban Meyer. He's a dick. He's a yeah. bad dude. But when they're at a school that produces a bunch of NFL talent, then you suddenly have a pitch and Louisville doesn't do that. Louisville mm-hmm. is not an Ohio state. It's not Florida. You there, that natural cell to balance out the fact that they would be playing for a coach that they don't like is very, very hard to do at Louisville, right? Yeah. Bobby Bowden could do it at Florida state cause he was at Florida state. But Bobby Bowden, I don't think, could do that at Louisville. It's, I'm with you. It's not as appealing. It just isn't. So, uh, ones? Um, yeah, probably one. a one here. Yeah, yeah okay. I, just, I don't know what the path is to Louisville being excellent. I don't yeah. think that there really is one. Uh, let's talk about Northwestern. Okay. I'm a, I think I'm a little intrigued by this, because I, I, maybe not national. Okay, well, let's talk about it. Okay. Northwestern has two conference championships in 96 and 2000, and they have six ranked finishes in 96, 2012, 2015, 2017, 2018, 2020. It is very safe to say, in my opinion, that the current era under Pat Fitzgerald, who we do not like, let's be clear here, Pat Fitzgerald sucks, he's annoying, Mm -hmm. he's a cop, he's anti-union, everything about him pisses me off clearly has this program at the best place it's ever been at. He's a good football coach. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, by any measure. His offense is boring and it sucks. But his defenses, and they just lose their longtime DC, but his defenses have been excellent the yep. entire time he's been there. It will remain good. Yes. Yeah. They have a massive financial investment in this. They just built these huge new facilities on uh, the beaches of Lake Michigan. Yeah. Is that Lake Michigan or who gives a shit? Uh, Whatever. One of the great lakes. Beautiful um, facility. It's on a lake. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it's Lake Michigan. Uh, I'm a geography guy. Anyway, <laughs> um, they have beautiful facilities. They have a, a coach who's shown a sustained track record of winning. They've started putting more and more guys in the league. Rashawn Slater is going to be a top 10 pick this year for them. Um, they're in the Chicagoland area, obviously. Uh, they recruit the Midwest pretty damn well. They identify talent. They're in Ohio well. They have a major academic they can pitch, uh, you know, academic appeal they can pitch to. Um, this could be the Stanford of the Midwest is, is their pitch, right? That's okay. what they're going for. Yeah. Um, they're also, like Baylor, having their best success in school history very recently, which is it's an upswing. The path for Northwestern, the only way this happens for them, it's because it's very difficult. Kirk Ferentz is going to be done in Iowa sooner rather than later, okay. right? Yeah. Kirk Ferentz retires. Barry Elvridge just retired from Wisconsin. If Paul Christ fucks that up, I've been on record. I don't think he will. You think he will. Yeah. If Ferentz retires, there's a drop off there. Uh, Barry Alvarez's departure causes a drop-off at Wisconsin. That is your pathway. You have the best coach in the conference. I'm sorry, in the division now. In the conference, yep. <laughs> in the division. Mm, in the uh, conference. Ryan in Day. the conference. In the division. Uh, the third <laughs> best coach in the conference. Um, Ooh. Uh, and putting James Franklin and Jim Harbaugh ahead of him. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and giggle over there, you little elf. <laughs> um, if that happens... You have a pathway, right? You are now in a major city. You're like all, all the recruiting pitches I mentioned before. You have to be ready to strike right then and there. That's your only shot you will ever get. Like yeah. it has to be that Michigan State year under D'Antonio when they got to the playoff. Except you have to actually have an offense, which this is just that program, right? Like it's yeah. just like less dickheads, more smart kids, but the same result. Yeah, yeah. I uh, <laughs> that's all it is, man. This is one of those. I think that a lot of people 
look at this job and they see Chicago and they see the new beautiful facility and they see the good academics and they think, well, yeah, you could win there, right? Um, and it's a, it's one of those where you think that and then you look at their college football reference page and you're like, oh, it's kind of weird that no one has ever won here. Mm-hmm. I wonder if maybe there's a larger issue here. Um, Northwestern isn't going to win a championship until it takes sports more seriously and it's not yeah. going to take sports more seriously. That's, you don't think the facility upgrades is the sign they might be? No. No, okay. no, I, I just, I mean, no, I, I don't think that, uh, I, I think that they did that because you needed a place to put that money, right? You had money in True, the athletic department and you yeah. needed a place to spend it so that you could say that you're not, you know. You know, at some point we're going to have to talk about how essentially college football and all nonprofits everywhere in America are just Ponzi schemes. That, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we will eventually talk about this. But. Yeah. I, but I, I uh, no, I don't think that it was a serious like, oh, we're, we're you know committed to success. No, you just wanted to spend that money. I think you had money and you needed to spend it so that you can still be a university. That's that's what it comes down to. You're, we're not making money, see? We're putting it back into the university. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have anywhere else to put it right now, so we're going to build this football facility and then we're going to make more money. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I don't, I just, Northwestern doesn't care all that much about sports. It's why, you know, Chris Collins is still the basketball coach there, despite the fact that he has never, ever been good in his entire tenure. He's been there for like 10 years and he sucked all 10 years. Um, well, they, anytime now. <laughs> yeah. She's going to pull it together. Um, but it's just, I think that they're perfectly fine doing what Pat, what Pat Fitzgerald is doing. And I don't think that the Pat Fitzgerald program is ever going to yield a title winner, a title winner. Yeah. It's fine. I like it. Right. It might I, get you to winning. It, you're just going to be the new Wisconsin basically. Maybe the yeah. Ceiling. Maybe you can, slips up. maybe you can catch a, a down Ohio state team down relative in the big 10 championship game and win the and, conference once, and win yeah. the conference. But you're just, the offense is never going to be good enough, you know? And, yeah. and there, if you hire an offensive coach, the defense is never going to be good enough. It just, yeah. it doesn't, there's no investment in, investment here to making a more sustainable elite tier program you're just going to be good so i'm guessing you have this at a one yeah i have a set of two okay i would give them i just give them there's very low odds but i think there is some freak pathway where it's at least possible yeah you need more you need a <laughs> i think what you need is that you need a very big booster who yes. really cares about football and i yes. just don't Stu think mandel that, yeah i just don't <laughs> think that um I don't think that Northwestern is producing Friend that of kind show, of guy. Sure, yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I don't <laughs> think that Northwestern produces that guy, essentially. All right, should we get on to our next one? Yeah. Uh, speaking of a school that has rich boosters, let's talk about Oregon. All right, Oregon mm-hmm. has eight conference championships the last 25 years. They are all since the year 2000, so eight of the last 20 years to win the conference. That's damn good. They also have 14 ranked finishes from 99 until now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's an excellent resume. I mean, this is one of the – this is – Clearly, under the Mike Bellotti era, the Chip Kelly era, and now the Mario Cristobal era, we're just skipping a couple guys in the middle mm-hmm. there. Uh, the, this is the most successful program in the Pac-12, besides USC, the last two decades. Yeah. By any measure, right? Can Oregon win a national championship? Can they ever break through? I think so. I think I, so, too. I think that this is the one that I am most confident can break through, right? Yeah. I think if anybody on this list is going to do it, it's going to be Oregon. They were close twice. I mean, they were, what, a, a knee away from winning it in 2011? Um, yeah. Or 20, I guess it was 2011 when that happened. It, it was, was the 2010, 2010 season, season, yeah, against uh, Cam um, They were in the national title game again, and in 2014, 2015. The doors and, blown off. Yeah, yeah, the only thing that stopped them there was that Ohio State was surging, right? Yeah. Like that's. I think that that Oregon team very well could have beaten that Alabama team. It was a flawed Alabama team. Mm-hmm. Um, 
if Ohio State doesn't catch fire, if TCU or Baylor is in the is in the playoff instead of Ohio State, Oregon's probably the national champion. Yeah, I mean Oregon beat the piss out of Florida State that year. Yeah, they too. were that was a really fucking good Oregon team. Yeah, like that was Marcus Mariota had like two interceptions and forty eight touchdowns that season or something. They were a really really good team. And and Oregon just keeps getting quarterbacks. Yeah, like it started with Dennis Dixon and, and talent on the lines. Yes. Yeah. Which is literally the formula. I mean, we talk yeah. about the Hall of Fame head coach, which. Uh, Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> I like Mario Cristobal. They got to keep him. It's going to be easier yeah. said than done. Uh, and they consistently get good quarterbacks. Uh, Herbert's been very good. I think in the NFL, he's going to be a real guy. Yeah. Mariota's a guy. Dennis Dixon's a great college quarterback. Um, there have been players there. They've had some exciting skill talent. Now they're getting serious line talent. They have Kayvon Thibodeau, who is a beast. Um, yeah. God. Watching watching him destroy USC together yeah. and having some some big beers that was some an enjoyable. Yeah, we had some pops. Yeah, yeah. That was an enjoyable time. Yeah, they uh, they had Panay Suel, uh, who's going to be a top five, top ten pick this year. Yeah, um, they got uh, the little Suel brother who's really good. Yeah, yeah, Cristobal uh, is a very very good recruiter. Yes, like, linemen want to play for him badly. Yeah, yeah, even you know the the smaller Suel is a linebacker, right? But mm-hmm. they're oh, getting he's, he's unbelievable. I don't know if you ever watched him play. He's freakish. Oh my god, he's so. Fun. Him and Thibodeau on the same defense is disgusting, it's, but rocks, yeah. um, he gets those guys. It's I think his issue is that he's a bad coach in game, right? Like he's a moron. He's he's a very good recruiter. He just can't coach in game. Yeah, and I, but you can fix that. <laughs> um, I, I think the program building part is so much more important than in game coching, though. Yeah, sure, I mean, it, yeah. it certainly is. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and here's the other thing too, just on a macro perspective. Uh, Portland is not much of a football town at all. Like, there's very little football talent in uh, the Portland area. The kind of Oregon as a whole doesn't really produce much football talent. Yeah, you're talent. telling me that, that Portland doesn't care a whole lot about football? Yeah, what? I mean, Portland is one of the whitest cities in America. Yeah. Uh, that having been said, Seattle, despite also being one of the whitest cities in America, does produce really good football talent. It has a, fo- uh, it has a pro team. I think that that's a big deal. I think yeah, that yeah. It has I a, mean, they yeah. had three top 20 national prospects this year with yeah. uh, JT Tumaloao, Emeka Ekbuka, and Sam Huard. Yeah. Uh, California is right below you. Obviously, you're very close. Um, Utah produces some some talent every now and then. We talk about Nevada. We talk about a lot, Arizona. A lot of line talent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the Samoan. I mean, there's a big Samoan pipeline to Oregon, which yes. always helps. I, I should say Polynesian rather. Um, Polynesian players. Um, yeah. uh, don't cancel me, please. Uh, there's a, I mean, there's a lot of talent available to Oregon, and they get a lot of it. They are. I'd say, in terms of punching above their weight, they are the best recruiting program in the conference. Yeah. Uh, and we didn't even get to Nike yet. I mean, yeah, the fact they that might be the best recruiting team in the conference, even without factoring in their you know. I mean, it's them and USC yeah, for it's, certain. It's them and USC. Yeah, they yeah. recruit better than UCLA. Yeah, or, they recruit yeah. really, really well. Yeah, and Crystal Ball is an ass kicker on the recruiting trail. He's right. really good at it. And now that Chris Peterson's gone from Washington, and Clay Helton is just treading water trying to stay alive at yeah. USC. <laughs> UCLA is doing nothing. That man is in hell. <laughs> Stanford's doing nothing. <laughs> Cal's probably doing nothing. Yeah. Like, there's just not really many contenders in the conference to stop you. Yeah. And if all of a sudden you can look down and you can have you have the Clemson pathway there. Like they have the big mega booster. Uh, you know, their new spring church is, is Nike. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> Nike on, Incorporated. You might have heard of it. And uh, and Oregon honestly has kind of been doing the Clemsoning thing from like the early twenty tens. Right. They have been doing a lot of that. And then once Dabo figured out like, oh, I just need to get out of my own way in mm-hmm. these games, they started winning, right? And I think that they need that. 2013 Orange Bowl kind of thing where Clemson, you know, beats a big boy, beats Ohio State. I don't Ohio remember State. that game. I don't was, know what you're talking it was about. A, it was a very funny Ohio State team. I don't think that it, game happened. But it was still an Ohio State team. La, 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 and, and, so, <laughs> and so, or then, you know, it goes and gets a big-time quarterback. And I don't think that Oregon really has gotten a big-time quarterback under Cristobal in the way that, like, 
where everything comes together because obviously it had Justin Herbert. And I think that Justin Herbert is sort of the Taj Boyd of this comparison. That's good. Um, but it needs to have him when it also has a bunch of talent on the rest of the team. That's your Deshaun Watson. Right. right? You need to find your JT Daniels. The, yeah. Your, you got to get one of those guys. Yeah. Step up and to it's, the next level. My guess is that it'll be through the transfer portal. That's my... Ooh. Ooh, it's crisp. <laughs> that is the nice sound of a crisp Iron City light popping open on the podcast. Um, but uh, I, I think that that's, you know, it'll probably be through the transfer portal, but I think that that's who you need to to make this happen. So you they just did get a guy at the transfer portal who sucks. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Brown from Boston College. Uh, hey, listen, you can play football without having any knees. It's fine. <laughs> he's, he's bad. Yeah, yeah he's bad. Um, they did sign someone. Fairly decent. They, had, they signed they? a four-star top 100 guy. Um, that could be it as well, right? I, yeah, I think we'll when they sign Jack Miller in two years from Ohio State, then you know, then, then they're going to be <laughs> in a good years, place. Yeah. When they sign Jack Miller next month, then they're going to be in a good place. Yeah, but. I mean, Oregon has become a, like the schools like that. We just saw with JT Daniels himself, right? Even if you don't have a track record of putting quarterbacks in the league, when there are guys who are elite recruits looking around the quarterback transfer portal looking for a place to go, yeah. They are going to look for a school that has everything but the quarterback. Yeah, like, exactly. You, like, Why you, wouldn't you? Right. Yeah. You have line teller to be protected. You can run the football. You can play defense. Like they're just like, oh well, if I go there, we'll win a title. That is the mindset yeah. of these quarterbacks. Yeah, they're all so, raised that way. They're born that way. Yeah. So you go to it's either that or you want to play for a quarterback guru. Yeah. Right. You either you either look for the best situation where you can play right away in a it, with good receivers, good mm-hmm. line, good defense, or you go play for Lincoln Riley or Ryan Day. Yeah. Those are the two <laughs> options. Like that's yeah. If you're a really good quarterback transfer that's who you're going to go play for and Oregon has that kind of spot right now and I think that Oregon is going to be the destination for like I joked earlier but for a Jack Miller type yeah so official prediction whenever Jim Harbaugh gets fired after the season uh, J.J. McCarthy will be Oregon's starting quarterback (laughs) in 2022 did you see Today, or a couple of days ago that I don't think it was Josh Gaddis I think it was the quarterbacks coach said that Cade McNamara is definitely the starting oh, quarterback oh so funny yeah, that's an insane thing to say well, I mean what the fuck is wrong with you why would you say that we've been talking about doing uh, fix this program Michigan for quite a little while yeah. now and, here's uh, my fix don't fucking say that when you signed a five star quarterback their what's program wrong management with you? is so awful Jesus Christ everything they do is so bad it's so <laughs> what goddamn do you funny mean? you're gonna name a starting quarterback in April, April. yeah why why? Why are you doing that? I'm, I mean, fucking god. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's no reason they've had to take in uh, 16 transfer quarterbacks the last five years. Just a weird coincidence up there. Yeah, like I, I don't mean to. Like we're not. It's weird to advocate for lying, but you have to lie. You're a top. What? What the fuck? You're a grown. I advocate program. for lying all the time. You're a grown. <laughs> what are you talking. About? Hold on. I want to clarify this. Okay. I do advocate for okay. lying. Grown ass program that isn't <laughs> lying to its five star quarterback. Yeah, like crazy. Ohio State is not telling Kyle McCord, "Oh no, you're going to ride the bench this year." Yeah, that's an insane thing yeah, to tell. An open competition. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, here. So, oh, go ahead. Um, I want to see here. So this was uh this guy Weiss. Um, I don't know his first name. Uh, Charlie. Matt, no, Matt Weiss. Um, <laughs> no relation. He said, Frederick? "This is." This is of Cade McNamara. He's a guy that's been awesome to work with. He's extremely valuable to our team. He's our starter. Love the fact that we have him. He said this on a podcast. He didn't even say this in a media availability. He's a poster. What a what a completely fucking insane thing to do. He's a dunce. God. 
if Cade McNamara transfers, you're fine. Who cares? I'm sure he'll walk it back in the media this week and say, oh, I just bet he's a starter right now in spring practice. We <laughs> yeah. have competition. Yeah, but when, it's, the damage when is some, done. When someone who knows what they're doing yells at him. Yeah, the damage is done. Yeah. God, um, insane thing to do. What are our rankings for Oregon here? Five. I have them as a four. I think they, to me, I think five means they will definitely win a title. I think they will win a title. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I think they are more likely than not, but I, I don't know if anyone who hasn't won one yet has a five for me. I think they're going to do it. Yeah. Fair enough. We are both very high in Oregon. I, I would... Venture cast up. He never won. Yeah, we are very high on Oregon and very low on Cade McNamara. (laughs) That's right. Uh, Low on Michigan. Sell, sell, sell. sell. (laughs) Paper hands. It's like the, uh, oh, the other guys at the beginning of the other guys. Have you seen that? Yes. Uh, Where the the woman asks the the Ponzi scheme guy, like, how much did we lose? And he's like, 50. And they're like, "Uh, 50 million? He's like, no, 50 billion. (laughs) She screams as she hits the bell. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, <laughs> That's a great movie. Staying out on the West Coast again, uh, we are going with Stanford. Stamford. Stamford, yep. Uh, <laughs> In the line of Clemson, we could yeah. get Stamford. Um, okay, so the, uh, Clemson has... Clemson, Jesus Christ. Stanford has... Boom! <laughs> Stanford has four conference championships in the last 25 years. They won in 99, 2012, 2013, and 2015, and they have nine ranked finishes, right? This program's had pretty damn good success. Yeah. Uh, the Jim Harbaugh and the David Shaw era is the most notable for certain. Um, it has not been pretty the last three years or so now for Stanford. Uh, yep. They have not been good mm. at all. Um, they keep Let's, getting yeah. worse. Listen, it's it's in the eye of the beholder. I mean, recruiting's <laughs> falling off. Uh, their offense is scoring less. Defense is getting worse. They're losing more games. Yeah. Besides the hat. Davis story, Mills was the starting quarterback <laughs> this year. Yeah. Uh, shout out to friend of the podcast, Ari Wasserman, who selected him in a dynasty draft for no apparent oh, reason. Oh, man. Uh, which uh, Just we trade love the it. pick, yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> we love that for him. Uh, he's a former five star, and stars do matter. Yeah. We've heard from, we've heard once or twice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Are we going to be the first college football podcast that takes the stance that stars do not matter? That would be a powerful way for us to go. We'll talk about it all year. <laughs> okay, Stanford. Uh, what's the pitch on Stanford? In the Bay Area, it's one of the ten best universities in all the world. Um, it has all the Silicon Valley freaks. People like that stuff. Yeah. You might, you're going to get guys who like are into crypto coming to your school. Um, you're going to get guys who are want to be entrepreneurs. Oh man. Just a um, whole team of Harry Miller. Oof. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> We're cutting this from the podcast. Are we? Uh, yeah, no, you're my boss. You tell me, um, look, uh, Stanford, Will not win a title under David Shaw because David Shaw runs a Neolithic offense that will never score enough points to win anything of consequence. Yeah. Uh, they will not win a conference title under David Shaw. David Shaw should have taken a pro job when he had the chance. Uh, now he's going to be there for like two or three years and he'll be asked to resign and he will or whatever. Yeah. Um, Broke boy. Get him out of here. I don't really like Stanford very much. They just piss me off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't like anything about Stanford. Uh I know, like, two people who went there, unfortunately, and I really dislike both those people. Okay, yeah. Um, everything about that place seems like hell to me. That is, like, my own vision of hell. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I think that there is a, 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 a case to be made that, like, there's going to be a whole bunch of Amazon kids running around, God you know? Damn it. And, like, there might be some good football recruits in there because they've been working in the factory since they were 12. Um <laughs> 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 I mean, uh, worth on here. Uh, Amazon is in Seattle. Okay, well, <laughs> Silicon Valley. Amazon will be at Stanford. Come on. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm sure they already have a wing purchased. Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, they're that gonna... is, is Stanford is a uh, Zuck territory, isn't it? or no? Zuck is a Harvard guy, famously. Yeah. Uh, who's Stanford? Who, who is the? I'm sure that they have a guy. Oh, you know who they have? Is it um... the number one grifter patch? The number one grifter the last 15 years. Do you okay. know her? Um, to her, she's uh, a girl boss. I don't know. They hate to see a girl boss winning. We're talking about Elizabeth Holmes. Oh. Uh, you know who that is? Yes. Okay. If you guys don't know who it is, Elizabeth Mahomes uh, had a... Complete... Elizabeth Mahomes is an interesting concept. <laughs> You're hearing more and more. Uh, she had a company called Theranos, where they just basically... Oh, man. We're trying to, like, biohack people's blood yes. or whatever. <laughs> she was literally just taking blood and doing fake science to make you healthier. It was insane. <laughs> she was Enron was... with your blood. Oh, it's got it. It, was, it was a complete lie the whole time. Oh, they the whole could time. not do it even yeah, a little bit. There was nothing bit. close to it. It was I, really funny though. That rocks. I, I salute to her. I'm actually going to start wearing purely Elizabeth Holmes style fashion which yes. is a red lipstick and a black turtleneck sweater 24 mm-hmm. hours a day 365. You're going to look like the... Never mind. <laughs> I'm not going to say that. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, <laughs> look, Stanford pissed me off. I'm going to give them a one. I, I, no, they're a two. I'll give no. them a two. I see no path forward for this program. I, I, it's not ever going to be better than Oregon and, and right. or Washington, for that matter. It, it's third best in its own region. Get it out of here. No thanks. Yeah, it's Cal's better, too, I think, yeah, long it's, term. It's a one. No thanks. All right, fuck Stanford. Yeah, fuck Stanford. Bad okay. program. Utah is our next option here. Okay. Four conference championships. They won a 99, 03, 04, 08. And nine ranked finishes. Uh, they have not won a conference championship since moving to the Pac-12. That yeah. may be an issue. Yeah. Um, this is all Mountain West conference titles. It's not ideal. I will say that much. It's not. It's, it's not, not exactly ideal. what you want. They do have, uh, maybe of any team you've gone through so far in this list, they might have the best active coach. Okay. Uh, with Kyle Whittingham. Kyle Whittingham is Bronco and then Hall on steroids. We talked about him off the air before we started recording this. Yeah. But just a coach who is incredibly competent. He develops guys really well. He recruits at a for for Utah recruits at a pretty high level. Um, his teams just don't beat themselves, which is something we have to respect. Yeah. Um, I like Kyle Winningham a lot. Uh, I just don't know how Utah ever gets enough title, enough talent to. Yeah. Like basically uh, the. The Polynesian and Mormon contingent is split between too many schools now. It used to just be like go to a couple places like BYU basically. And uh, now it's too spread out and I don't see any path forward for Utah to accumulate enough talent to win. Yeah, I think that I think that the issue here is that Kyle Whittingham is a very good coach, and I think that he has just about maxed out what you can do there. Which is like right? ten win seasons. Yeah, which is great. That's that's a real. Yeah, that's that's, the, that's a good existence if you can get it. Right? This is the best strike in school history. Yeah, if I am, and this is an embarrassing thing to say, but if I'm an if I'm an athletic director at ninety nine percent of schools, and I can either choose between chasing becoming elite and just being ten and two every year, I'm going to pick ten and two. Yeah, duh, that's free money. Yeah, you have great attendance, great booster results. Yeah, if it's the same thing with. Northwestern. If I was Northwestern and I had the choice between keeping Pat Fitzgerald and going after, you know, trying to chase becoming the next big team, I'm just going to keep Pat, Pat Fitzgerald. It's easier, yeah. right? Like we talked about before, schools are risk adverse. Yeah. yeah. I'm also risk averse, apparently. Yes. <laughs> um, and like, that's just, I don't know. I, I don't think that Utah is ever going to be anything better than that. Yeah. This is a one to me. Yeah. We've seen their best era already. Yeah, it's probably already over. They're fine, right? Like, Utah's existence is fine. I don't think that they really have any desire to be more than this. They and that's, could have, they could have yeah. done what Colorado or BYU did in the 80s and 90s, and they just missed their boat, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. It's, they're, they're perfectly fine where they are. Yep. I, I don't think Utah has any desire to be any more than this. I think they're good. Bye-bye. Yeah, get them out of here. <laughs> okay, one? Yeah, one. Okay. Next school, kind of interesting one here, Virginia Tech. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, six conference championship, last 25 years, all under the Frank Beamer era. This was a popular pick for this question for a long time yeah. of who and wins the next you know title. In 16 ranked finishes. Obviously, the Mike Vick uh, runner-up season was incredible. Um, this program has fallen off a cliff. Yeah. I mean, like it has just really cratered under Justin Fuente. He's not a cultural fit. He doesn't want to be there very clearly. He interviews for a job every single year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't want him there. No one is happy with his marriage. They're just a couple staying together for convenience. Yeah, interviewing uh, for the Baylor job when you're at Virginia Tech is a very funny bit. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what else you say to Virginia Tech here except you got to get a new coach. We can reevaluate. Yeah, the the pitch for them here is they are in a very fertile recruiting era area. Rather, uh, Virginia Beach is is they are the historical favorite Virginia Beach uh-huh. uh, for recruiting. It's where Michael Vick comes from, the kind of uh, Tidewater area. Um, the DMV is wide open. You know, Penn State recruits there. Ohio State recruits there. Uh, Maryland, of course. Alabama. Schools like that. But it's wide open. Anyone can get kids in the DMV. Yeah. Um, Philadelphia is a wide open area. North Carolina is booming in talent. Tennessee is booming in talent. You are surrounded by areas that are very fertile in recruiting. Uh, Georgia is not too far away. It's kind of straight down that Appalachian Mountain range. Um, you have an opportunity to get a lot of talented kids for Virginia Tech. Yeah. Uh, you just need someone who can do it. You just need to hire a flat. I mean, like you want to talk about a school that should hire Hugh Freeze. Oh my God. The, I, I am. Oh uh, my God. Virginia Tech should hire Hugh Freeze. Oh my God. Yeah. If you want to win the ACC, go get Hugh Freeze. You know who would win a title here in three years? National or conference? National. Okay. Bi- <laughs> Billy Napier. Mm-hmm. Billy Napier would win a national title at Virginia Tech. He would. He would. He would win a national title. Absolutely, he would. I would like to see him win a conference title first. Oh, come on. You know that they would have won it this last year. Yeah, okay, probably. But uh, look, Billy Napier's a hell of a coach. But uh, he also clearly will not take that job. He passed up Tennessee and Auburn. No, and he wouldn't. But I, I He's think... getting LSU this year when Edward Durant gets fired. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I get your larger point, but it won't it, it won't happen. Uh, but I, I, the sentiment you're t- you're picking here is correct, which is you want a talent accumulator, yeah. a young head coach who knows the South, knows the the, the kind of that pocket from Carolina over to Tennessee uh, down to Georgia is kind of what you're that e- Southeast region. It's not Florida. Somebody who has the bag. Allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah, that's exactly what you want. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Kirby Kirby would be good at this. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, yeah, are there any other coaches we can think of that would be good at this oh, job? man. Um, no, Hugh Freeze is the answer. I mean, it's, Virginia they Tech, have to hire Virginia Hugh Tech is going to hire Hugh Freeze, and he's going to win. Uh, like He'll he win the just, ACC within three years there, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, dude, Dabo's going to lose his mind. At, at Hugh Freeze being in the conference. I can't wait until he's just, like, pissed that, like, uh, Hugh Freeze actually somehow gets to the guys who own New Spring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hugh, Hugh isn't just going to beat Clemson for recruits. Oh he's going to recruit Clemson's bagmen yeah. to become Virginia Tech bagmen. Yeah. He's going to offer the bagmen a better return on their investment. Uh, <laughs> Folks, you hear, you heard it here first. Virginia Tech defensive coordinator, Brent Venables. <laughs> <laughs> um... I, uh, yeah, I mean, look, Virginia Tech is a shot for real. I mean, they need to get back to where they were first. That's the first step. Um, but this is a, a growing area for talent. Um, you just need to reestablish your connections, man. Like, yeah. like it's not like Bronco Mendenhall is going to start out recruiting you. That guy, like, is a, is a competent coach that cannot recruit, yeah. uh, very well. Um, it's not like, I mean, James Franklin's not going to be at Penn State much longer. He'll be at USC sooner or later. 
allegedly. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> Ohio State. We Al- don't even need to do allegedly yeah. on that. He's going to USC. Yeah. yeah. Ohio State, Alabama don't really recruit Virginia much anymore. Yeah. Now, Mac Brown is beating your ass for recruits in your own backyard. Which He's is, only going to be there three years. Yeah. And so as long as Mac Brown doesn't hand it off to someone to what Dre Bly is the next coach there, probably. Yeah. Uh, Which is problematic if you're Virginia State. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's good. Okay, step one. Uh, Hugh Freeze, offer Dre Bly a coordinator job. Yeah. Uh, and then make it in his contract a very secret part that says that he can't be the head coach in the ACC. <laughs> hmm. All right. So we've solved it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think Virginia Tech is probably a four. I have them at a three. Okay. Um, I think they have even odds. They certainly have a very clear pathway, and someone should be able to figure this out if they're yeah. as smart as we are. You just, uh, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you, you get an ace recruiter. That's pretty much, you know, yeah. like this. But your, your, your yeah. window of time is not super extensive either. Like, you can't no. just wait around forever. Like, if North Carolina becomes consistently good, Florida or, State will get good again. Yeah, is you the other thing. Got to yeah. get to it. Like, you got to, this is your last year with Fuente. If he doesn't win yeah. a. Uh, like he's gonna win nine games. He's got to hit the bricks. He's, two years he ain't winning nine games. Two years ago should have been the last year with Fuente. <laughs> you heard it more and more. Man. Um, okay, so a three for me, a four for you. Yep. And we have two quick ones here we can dispatch. Yeah. Uh, first up, Washington State. One. 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 Trash. <laughs> I love the Palouse. It's a beautiful area. We say yeah. it more and more. Uh, yeah, it's a fun place to be. There I ain't no just, talent out there. You're not going to win football games mm, there. Sure not. Mike yeah. Leach is the best coach have, they will ever have. Yeah, we've, they, they yeah. won 10 games like three times the last yeah. 20 I, years. I like Nick Rolovich. I think, he's, I think his ceiling is Mike Leach, right? I think yeah, that, that is that. the best. That I don't you know can, if we ever see that again. I think that's the best you can do there. Yeah, which is also true at Texas Tech, which is also true at Mississippi State. It's well, it, no. it will be okay. Um, Maybe yeah. when he goes nine and three for three years and then gets fired for like storming the Capitol, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> but I I think that uh, they they'd promote him for that. He's the new athletic director. Um, but. <laughs> If you pro- if your program has hired Mike Leach, you know what the ceiling is. Yeah, Mike right? Leach militia down. Ooh. <laughs> okay. Um, that's a one. Yeah, one. Okay, ain't happening. WVU. This is the program of every okay, besides Oregon and Virginia Tech. This is the next close to the list, right? They have been to. Uh, Not uh, in terms of our rankings, in terms no, no, of like no, no. the one the things that they have won. Yeah, yeah. another Big East team. Another I will Big know. East team. Yeah. yeah, they won the conference six times between 2003 and 2011. And they had nine ranked finishes between 2002 and 2018. Um, the Rich Rod era was awesome. I mean, yeah. he never should have left, clearly. They never should have let him leave. Like, this, they just should have been a, a perfect marriage forever. Uh, Dana Holgerson leaving is... Theoretically, should have been a blow to the program, but he's not a very good coach, so it ended up benefiting them. He sucks. Yeah, I hate Dana. Yeah. Uh, he annoys the piss out of me. Yeah. Um, Look, WU is in the same problem with pretty much every team in this region that's not Virginia Tech, which is that like there's not a pathway back to getting good recruits. Yeah, uh, Pittsburgh is a, is a talent producing region has declined. They're not very good in Ohio, and the regions of Ohio they're good in are getting worse. Um, Kentucky and Louisville are both competent, which means they can't get kids from there very often. They don't do that well in Tennessee. Um, I don't see any path for WU. Yeah, I I think that the issue here, this is one of those teams that get that gets caught in the the innovation cycle being all fucked up, right? Because yeah. it had those years with Rich Rod where it was awesome because it was the only team that knew how to run the read option. Yeah, and um, when you do that, you can't foot off the gas. Yeah, and that's just uh, I don't think that there's a way that they can do that anymore. If they're running RPOs, they're not unique. Um, yeah. and I, I guess maybe you hire a Jamie Chadwell type and you have a ten and two year, but you're not winning a title. 
either way. Mm-hmm. Um, which it they weren't going to under Rich Rod either, right? Like that's yeah, we saw the best they could ever be. Yeah, and that's fine. I think that that's a you know I think Neil Brown's a good coach. I think he's going to go eight and four there for a decade. But there, I, I, there are so many questions about what the alternate reality looks like if they beat Pitt in that game. Yeah, uh, man. National champion Todd Beckman. Well, and in this we're, economy, we're gonna we're gonna put in the Kanye quote here. Uh, are we? You know, yes, we are. Uh, everyone said they want to know what it looked like uh, if I didn't win. I guess we'll never know. Everybody wants to know what I would do if I didn't win. I guess we'll never know. <laughs> um, oh man that's an elite quote oh it's so good I love gay um, so what's yeah, the, uh, the ceiling here is 8 and 4 yep. 9 and well, 3 well I mean no, maybe, they can, they can, no, maybe well, you go 10 and 2 yeah, they, right? they but, can win double digit games I'm, okay. I'm not saying that but they can just the difference between that and the title is, is consistent much. ceiling here is 8 and 4 you're gonna go 8 and 4 on average if you're a really good if coach if you go 8 and 4 every year that's a good that's great yeah um, um, which is it makes it very funny that we don't like Dana because that's what he did but uh <laughs> yeah fuck it no. <laughs> um, no it's like a 2 or a 1 yeah. it, it, there's not really a. it's another one of these there's not really a path here yeah it's a um, leave yeah. the big 12 seriously why are you in the big 12 that sucks get out of the big 12 yeah but then you got to find somewhere else to be in the ACC. they should they should be in the acc but that's you know neither here nor there i guess yeah yeah um our final school here well our final school that fits their criteria is yeah. wisconsin wisconsin this one makes me sad had you on a long cabin somewhere in wisconsin <laughs> Unbelievable. Good lord. Um, Wisconsin has won five conference championships from 1998 to 2012. They have 16 ranked finishes from 98 to 2019. Yeah. Um, This program has been consistently very, very good for a long time. They have never broken through. Yeah. Um, Their most recent conference championships were during Ohio State's. Basically, since Ohio State was uh, eligible to win conference (laughs) titles again after the the Tattoo Gate scandal, they have not won a thing. Yeah. They have gotten their dick stomped in several uh, conference championship games. Um, I don't have anything to say about Wisconsin. I don't know. Wisconsin, like, all the pitches I made about Northwestern in terms of your area for recruiting, um, the same applies to Wisconsin, the same neck of the woods. You have a very specific brand. You run the football. That's going to get you relatively far. You can win. You can be Utah. You can win 10 games. I mean, you are. You're better Utah. You win 10 games a year. I just don't see how they ever make the jump, except they have to get Russell Wilson back yeah. and actually let him throw, except then you're not Wisconsin. So yeah. um, I don't know how you ever... I mean, Graham Mertz was supposed to be that guy, but after year one results did not look great. We'll see. If Graham Mertz is like the guy we thought he was in recruiting, which means Graham Mertz is going to be a first-round quarterback, then all of a sudden Wisconsin has a path. Yeah, I think Wisconsin's the like if it's ever going to win a championship, it would be this year, I guess, because like Ohio State might be down slightly. It has a new quarterback. Yeah, Graham Mertz could be really good. Jalen Berger's good at running back, but it's like I say that in that like that's not going to happen. Like no, that's not going to happen. But if it (laughs) if it would happen, it would be this year. It's just like the odds are one percent rather than zero percent. Yeah, the the same path we said earlier for Northwestern. So basically, if Northwestern kind of just stagnates at some point, and again, Kirk Ferentz leaves Iowa because he's just annoying to play against. And uh, Ohio State has a bad year. Yeah. Then you have a pathway. Ryan Day to, gets all his recruits in. <laughs> yeah. And you have a pathway to the playoff, I guess. And then, yeah, and then you have, you have to, to, get to not get Notre Dame. Yeah. Uh, which is just the team you are. Yeah, man. I uh, <laughs> The reason that I said earlier that this one makes me sad is because 
Um, if it was ever going to happen, it was going to be with, with Alvarez around in some way, shape, or form, either as the head coach or as the AD, and he's not there anymore, mm-hmm. right? And it's, uh, I don't know, it's too bad that he never got one, right, As in, in either role. I think that he is a, a uniquely college football guy, just generally speaking. I think that he is someone who, and other people have, have obviously put this more succinctly and flowery than I will. I don't have a ton of personal connection to Barry Alvarez. He's a good friend of yours. Yeah, good friend Barry Alvarez. But I, I do think that, like, it's too bad that he didn't get one. You know, just just generally speaking, it would have been cool for him to get one. Yeah. Um, but if you he and didn't... him are both Freemasons, right? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> um, but it, it's it's too bad that he didn't get one. And if, if Wisconsin, this is the last thing that I will say on this, is the same thing with Northwestern and Pat Fitzgerald. Mm-hmm. If Wisconsin didn't get a title with Barry Alvarez in and around the program, it's never going to. He was the best guy. Like right. that was that's it. That's as good as you're gonna get. You will never get another Alvarez. And he like I mean what he did for the program is incredible. We should I mean like you said it's it ridiculous. obviously yeah, yeah. that well, that program was never anything. Barry Alvarez him. is one of the best coaches of all time. Yeah, he basically he is a better version of Mike Bellotti in terms of where Bellotti yeah. took Oregon out of uh, obscurity and elevated it and then yeah, and Chip he Kelly did it, carried the baton. And and Alvarez did it without Nike money. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And without being next to California. Yeah, yeah. He did it in fucking Wisconsin. <laughs> right. This was a dog shit program. Yeah. And he did it during the peak era of the Big Ten, too. Yeah. It wasn't during uh, the Patsy Big Ten as the Midwest faded out of talent. Yeah. It's while Michigan was really good. It's while Ohio State was really good. Like It's yeah. while we, Penn we, State joined the conference. Like it's, a- Absolutely incredible coach. And the fact that he didn't ever get one, I mean, that, that's it. There's, you can't – you're not going to. Yeah, you took your best shot and you didn't yeah, get it. Yeah, he, was, he got really close a bunch of times. He never could quite get there. And then as an AD, he got really close again because he was still coaching the program, essentially. He was mm-hmm. just not doing it on a day-to-day basis. Um, but, like, that's it. That's as good as you can do, and uh, it, it's too bad. You know, I, I really – I think college football will miss Barry Alvarez. Yeah. He didn't die. No, he's just <laughs> – you know, he's not uh, He's he not retired. in it anymore. No. Yeah, no, but, they're, I mean, they're going to ride out uh, his coaching tree for as long as possible, which means yeah. – Paul Chris will be the guy, then eventually Jim Leonard will be the guy, and then they'll just keep going from there. And yeah, and as it gets more and more degrees of separation away, it will look less and less like Wisconsin, and it will in turn be less good, yep. essentially. Yeah, so Wisconsin fans, enjoy your slow death over the next three or four <laughs> decades. <laughs> enjoy the suffering. Yeah. Uh, um, you guys will still win 10 games at least twice a decade until like the 2040s, and then we'll yeah. see after that. I, I say that, that that college football will miss Barry Alvarez. He will be the next head coach at North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that would be cool if you just had like a, a, a seniors program. Or, North oh. Carolina hiring progressively older coaches. Like it, Matt, <laughs> Mac Brown retires, and they hire uh, they hire uh, Alvarez. And What's then... this? They've exhumed Earl Bruce? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, cut that from the pot. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, we're just gonna put a big beep yeah. into that box. Mm, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, and no, that's a- fine. You can keep it. Yeah, after kidding. Alvarez retires, they're hiring 102 year old Bobby Bowden. That's great. That's great. Yeah, and uh, then they're bringing in his son Terry. No, God damn it, Patrick. We made it over an hour. <laughs> book, in, book end in the show Buffalo and Bowden The um, big two well, So just breathe before we get out of here Oh, so We should have Wisconsin rating I, I give them a It's a one They're not going to do it without Alvarez yeah, it's, it's a two I guess it's just, There's no. There's never going to be another Alvarez Yeah I give Northwestern a two So I give them a two though Okay yeah. Yeah, I'll give that's fair Yeah Get um, out of here Broke boy Yeah yeah uh, Are there any other teams we like Outside of this group I, I said And I have it here in the notes 
Maybe North Carolina is the only one that does not fit this list yet. Yeah. Um, they would have to actually win something first. North Carolina's right now just accumulating talent and not winning big games, really. Yeah. Um, does Houston have a title? No. Houston. Houston, I, I if they Houston get into a power be. five. I, I have an answer that I don't like, but that I will share. Um, um, my eyebrows are, are currently I, the rocked. I, yeah, I don't, I don't like that this is the answer, but I think this is the answer. Um, is there a certain program right now that's investing a lot of money in football, trying to get on a lot of people's TVs so that more people know the name of the school? Liberty? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's Liberty. I don't think anyone will ever let Liberty into a Power 5 conference. I don't know if they need to. <laughs> I mean, Notre Dame was in the playoff last year. Notre Dame's a functionally... It takes... You're talking about a decades-long project. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's what they've been doing for decades. They have been doing this project, and they're getting closer to it, is essentially... That's fair, that's fair. So when Hugh Freeze goes to Virginia Tech and Liberty hires Art Bryles, I think that they could win a national championship, and that sucks. Um, I'm not... I think, essentially, there's a difference between independence treated like Power 5 programs, which... BYU gets treated like a G5, and BYU has a national title and decades of relevancy, and I think Liberty will be looked at as a poor man's BYU for at least another decade or a couple decades. Sure. So maybe 50 years from now, I could see this like being a thing where like they have the, the right tradition. And, and that's the thing is like, you know, 50 years previously, Georgia Tech was a blue blood. Yeah. Illinois was a blue blood. Yeah. Or not, I mean, not blue blood. They were national title contenders. They were winning a lot of games. Ole Miss yeah. had won a title. Like a lot changes in 40, 50 years. And we're projecting out quite a long while, but I, I I find it difficult to see the pathway for those schools. I totally understand what you're saying. For uh, I, my the only thing that I think the difference is in my mind for between BYU and Liberty mm-hmm. is that BYU's project is complete. People have accepted BYU, right? Like that's generally speaking. Yeah. The, the BYU BYU'd won. It it like people know who BYU is. People right. go to BYU. Liberty is not at that stage yet. Quote but, unquote people. Yeah. Li- <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Whoopsies. Uh, Liberty is still very much undergoing that process, and I think that there are a lot of other schools that are going to do the same thing in the next decade or so. Grand Canyon is doing it. Right. Um, Oral Roberts is doing it. Right. Like This is a thing that a lot of schools are doing right now um, as more and more parts of American life become about making as much money as you can before it ends. Um, yeah, Liberty is actually going to have a really innovative recruiting strategy where they get they convince every recruit they'll have a personal job as Jerry Falwell Jr.'s pool boy hmm. <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude. Ryan is three or be- three beers deep and he has lost his mind um I mean, we talked about last week in the podcast that's the pitch you just gotta be uh... a <laughs> the, the pitch is come to liberty so you can fuck Jerry Falwell's wife what else do they have going for him it's not a good school <laughs> you're not getting a good education it's not in a cool area uh <laughs> Liberty sucks, man. Oh like God. that is like come, all of a come to Liberty. We have forty five year old white women. <laughs> uh, I would like to direct you to a little website we call Pornhub.com and tell me if I'm wrong, Patrick. <laughs> Thank you so much for checking out Flipping the Field, the college football podcast about all of college football and other things. If you enjoy the show, please be sure to leave a five star review on Apple Podcasts and tell your friends. Just tell them to listen to the first hour and twenty minutes or so. Um, say that the show ended after that and it was just six minutes of mm-hmm, silence and right. we didn't say anything else. Um, right. Silence for Jerry Falls. <laughs> 
Oof. Uh, Ryan, where can people find you? Uh, I'm on Twitter at B1G underscore Ryan. Um, I'm at Patrick underscore Mayhorn. (laughs) My writing is at the Outside Zone newsletter on Substack, available three times a week for just $5 a month. I'm also the associate editor at Buckeye Sports Bulletin. Let's go. Um, It's a newspaper. Congratulations. You can can read it. Thank you. Um, Ryan, do we have anything else? Uh, No, man. Let's get out of here. I'll talk to you next week. Save myself. Cool.